Elevates, trusting all is well, well is all. Welcome back to Elevated Frequencies Reading Segment. I'm your host, Sherry, also known as Shy Shy, also known as Nylaris. We will be continuing the Akata series with reading Akata Warrior by Nettie Okafor. Last week, we ended with chapters 15 and 16 um, with just the scare of Enyan Wu no longer being a part of Sunny. Um, it's definitely a scary situation, to say the least. Um, there's definitely something funny going on. There's There's been an, an, an announced oil spill that isn't being talked about. So, of course, there's some supernatural things behind that. Um, as someone has mentioned, seeing something in the water, in the oil. So I feel like that's Ekwensu. Um, Sunny herself feels like it's Ekwensu. Um, but, and Yanwu is just not there. And this scares Sunny because Sunny was introduced to Enyanwu as something that's always been there. She just didn't know. But now to just not feel the presence of Enyanwu at all is definitely scary to say the least, especially because she's being prepared for war. Ekwensu can return anytime. Um, so I'm just trying to see what's, what's to come. Um, because a lot took place last week. Um, if you didn't get the chance, please go back and, and, and catch up on the chapters. Um, take it as a moment to wind down. Take it as a moment to recenter yourself. Take it as a moment to reground and to something that you're familiar with to kind of get you back to you. Um, but there's really nothing wrong with it. Um, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get into chapter 17. Bola Yusuf. Thank goodness it's this way, Sunny said, rubbing a hand over her drying afro. She absentmindedly took out the mamiwa tacom and used it to pick her hair out a bit. They were walking down a dirt path that ran through the forest that they usually took to get to Anatope's place. Orlu sucked his teeth. If it were in if it were back in Leopard Knox, we'd find a way to get there. I'm tired of having to, quote unquote, find a way, she muttered. I just want to be normal, like everyone else. It's not far now, Orlu said. They were walking side by side, shaded by the thickening trees. Sudden, Sunny suddenly felt glad that it was the middle of the day. Who knew what was lurking in the bush? She giggled nervously to herself. What? Orlu asked. I... I was just thinking, what could be worse than the river beasts? Sunny, there are crazy dangerous beasts like that in these forests, too. Sunny quickly reached into her pocket for her juju knife. She fretfully babbled. What? What kind of beasts? Are they big, hidden like the lake beasts? Do you think the lake beasts would put that away, Oru said. The worst things around here end in night runner forests come out at night, just after dusk. Relax. When she still wouldn't put her knife away, 
He took her hand and every hair on Sonny's arms and neck stood up. They walked in shy silence for the next five minutes, watching the trees or their feet. Then they came to a clearing in the trees. A large black solid steel gate stood here with an image painted on each of the two doors. On the left was a painting of Mamiwata herself. She was more the Yuhameri version that Sunny didn't see very often. Instead of the long straight hair and Indian features of the more popular image of Mamiwata, the traditional Yuhameri version had skin black like beetles' wings and long bushy dreadlocks that floated behind her like powerful looking brown vines. She was grinning with white teeth and holding her long fin against her human torso. On the other door of the gate was the con contrasting image of a, of a brown-skinned man with thick matted hair wearing chains around his ankles and wrists. Sonny frowned. The person had to be on the era, a person suffering from madness. Bolas e Mamiwata Priestess, Orlu said, seeming to read the question in Sonny's mind. So, she's a healer. Of what? Like malaria or? No, stuff lamb doctors can't address. You know, people suffering from being orphanges and women who can't have children, no matter what the doctors do and... He pointed at the gate. Madness. A lot of leopard people are stuck with it. Maybe from some juju misfiring or someone being bitten by something in our forest. Whatever. But Bola's also a really strong oracle. Her predictions and visions are never wrong when she has them. She can do all that. And she married a bookstore owner? Sunny wondered. But then again, these were leopard people. A bookstore owner was probably like marrying a brain surgeon. Orlu knocked on the gate. And a minute later, a tall woman wearing a long blue skirt and a white blouse peeked out. Good afternoon, she said. She looked right at Sunny with such intense eyes that Sunny took a step back. Orlu nudged Sonny with his elbow. Good afternoon, Sonny said. We're... Uh, I'm here too. I know. She's expecting you, the woman said. Remove your shoes and come in. Sonny slipped off her sandals, and upon stepping past the gate, she felt it. First in the ground beneath her feet that went from warm to cool and almost damp. Then there was the rush of humidity. It was almost as if her skin's pores opened up and began to drink. She'd stepped onto sacred ground or something. She opened her mouth and, and inhaled. When she looked at Orlu, he was frowning and picking his shirt from his skin.
In the center of the compound was a moderately sized white house. The ground around the house was neatly packed red dirt. Tall, wild bushes growing against the compound's wall. They were led around the back where they entered a room with wooden benches. It must have been some sort of waiting area for several women and men, some young, some old, sat on the wooden rickety benches in various states of anxiety and misery. One woman wearing a dirty orange yellow wrapper and matching top was crying into the shoulders of another woman dressed in a yellow blouse and jeans. A man in a sweatsuit jumped up and then sat down when they walked in. Another man dressed like a rapper was talking to himself, pulling at his skinny jeans and biting his nails. One man even bore a striking resemblance to the madman in the painting on the entrance gate's door. He sat on the floor in the middle of the room, his long, unruly, matted hair flopped over his shoulder. He wore nothing but raggedy brown pants and a torn, dirty black t-shirt. He even had shackles on his wrists and bare feet. She will call you, the woman who led them in said. Sit. Then she left. Ordo and Sonny took a spot on the bench, squeezing between the crying woman and the mumbling man dressed like a rapper. After a few moments, Sonny realized he was actually speaking Arabic to himself. Glad I called and told my mom I'd be home late, Sonny said. Yeah, we could be here all night, Olu said. I've heard of. The door opened. And Yanwu, the little girl standing in the doorway called. Who? Is Anyanwu. Sunny froze. She stood up and the little girl turned to her. The girl was about six years old, but she stood as if she belonged there, and it was normal for her to order adults around. She even carried a clipboard. Are you she? Well, I'm Sunny, but my yes or no? The girl asked, holding up a pen. Y yes. Come this way, then. Sunny looked back at Orlu, who hadn't gotten up. Come on, she whispered. I'm not going by myself. He got up, and the little girl didn't stop him from following. She showed them down a narrow hallway with ocean blue walls, and Sunny felt her eyes begin to water. She brought out the handkerchief in her pocket just in time to catch her sneeze. Sorry, the little girl said. There's Ketchum in the walls. Ezebola has had a few problems with imposters. People who are allergic always get sneezy here. She wanted to ask the girl what constituted an quote-unquote imposter, because maybe she was one now. But instead, she asked, What does Ketchum do to imposters? She blew her nose. The little girl giggled mischievously. <laughs> you don't want to know. The little girl led them to a large room with graceful high ceilings, white walls, wooden chairs, and nothing in it but five white wooden chairs.
They were arranged in a circle with blue cushions on the backs and seats. Bola Yusuf sat in one of the chairs, one leg crossed over the other. Upon seeing her, Orlu stopped. The little girl professionally grasped her clipboard. Come on, she said, walking in. She motioned toward the chairs. Have a seat, please. Sunny followed her halfway across the room and then turned back to Orlu. Come on, she whispered. Orlu shook his head. He looked scared, sweat beating on his forehead. Sunny bit her lip and frowned. Geez, how old are you? They're only boobs. It seemed to take all his effort to put one foot in front of the next. When he reached Sunny, she grabbed his hand and dragged him with her to Bola. Bola was a thin, middle-aged woman with large brown braids, three dark lines engraved on each cheek, and a large white oval painted across her forehead. She sat calmly in her chair, wearing nothing but a flowing white skirt that reached her ankles. Her long, skinny breasts did indeed hang well below her waist, touching her lap. She wore several blue and white bead necklaces that rested on her chest. You all look like students, and students can be stupid, she said in a hard voice. So, no photographs while you are in my compound. The last time someone did this, they angered Mamiwata and died in an accident upon leaving. We, we're students, but we're not here to study you, Sunny said. Good. Timitope, leave us now. Yes, Ma, the little girl said. Then she walked out. What is wrong with you? Bola suddenly asked Orlu. He was sitting stiff as a piece of wood and looked at anything but Bola. Haven't you ever seen a woman's breast before? Weren't you ever a baby? She lifted and swung them from side to side. Orlu looked as if he was going to pass out, and Bola laughed a loud, raucous laugh before Sunny could control herself. She burst out laughing too. She clapped her hands over her mouth and looked apologetically at Orlu. Then another giggle wrapped her body, and her eyes began to water from the strain of holding it in. Look, boy, I am the servant of Mamiwata, goddess of the water, and as black Americans like to say, this is how we roll, she said. She looked at Sunny. Did I say that right? You know better than me, she winked. Yeah, Sunny said. Relax, Orlu, okay? Orlu only nodded, looking at the ground. I'm glad you brought him with. She paused, narrowing, narrowing her eyes at Sunny. My husband has spoken of you. Can you read the speed, the Sabidi book he sold you yet? Sunny nodded. I like your hair comb, she said, grinning. Thanks. Now, 
you know I can't do a divination reading for you without you having something to give, right? Oh, Sunny said. She reached into her pocket. Of course. I don't have much, but... No, no, no. Not chitin. Not even your lamb money, she said. I want a story. One from Enyanwu. Huh? I have heard of Enyanwu, that she may not be a good teller of stories, but she has good stories to tell. I... Sunny looked at Orlu and then at Bola. Bola gasped and said, Oh, I see now. Sunny nodded. Something happened to me. She felt her, her face flush hot, her eyes filling with tears. I feel lost. You are, Bola said, growing very solemn. How long have you been like this? Two days, Sunny said, her vision blurring from the eyes, from the tears. When she blinked, she saw that Bola was staring hard at her. But it should have killed you, Bola said, her eyes wide. What are you talking about? Olu said. My spirit face, Sunny said. She's gone. I can't call her up. That's why I couldn't cross into Leopard Knox on Thursday. That night, I tried working even a small juju and couldn't. And, and Yanwu is gone and... The shock on Oru's face was so much that Sunny stopped talking. All this time, Oru asked, Since Thursday, you haven't had a spirit face? Tell me. What caused it? Bola said. When Sunny told her all about the river bees, what she'd seen, and the bead hitting her in the face, Bola said, This explains the oil spills in the delta. Sunny nodded. Ekwensu. We all sensed Mamiwata's fury yesterday morning, Bola said. Yee! There is work to do, oh. She sighed deeply and shook her head, looking troubled, and then looked up at Sunny. Keep talking. Spit, spit it all out. Sunny told her about the details about her battle with the djinn in the basement and her previous encounter with the lake beast. Kai! Bola exclaimed, clapping her hands to enunciate her outrage when Sunny finished. She got up and paced back and forth. This is something new. This is something new. She started speaking in rapid Yoruba to herself. Sunny felt Orlu's gaze burning a hole into the side of her face, but she refused to meet his gaze. She'd wished she had st him stay in the waiting room. Okay, okay, oh, Bola said, sitting back before Sunny. Focus, she whispered to herself. There is so much. She took a deep breath as she gazed at Sunny. Then she excelled, pointed at Sunny, and said, Okay, you, Sunny Noazu, 
I know of this problem you have. Never witnessed a victim of it who still carried life, but I know the condition. It's called doubling. It sounds like a misnomer because you have lost a part of yourself, but your spirit face is just not here. So in a sense, you've been doubled. Ekwensu did it to you. She threw one of her beads at you. The moment it hits you, Bola snapped her fingers loudly enough to make Sunny jump. And Yanwu was cut from you. Bola narrowed her eyes and tapped at her head. Ekwensu is smart. It was the only way to distract Enyanwu enough so Ekwensu could push out of the wilderness without having to deal with Enyanwu while she was weak. But Ekwensu took a great risk too. If you had caught that bead, you and Enyanwu could have destroyed Ekwensu right then and there. That bead was one of her iuwa. Her power. Anyway, it's done. She's in the world and you have been doubled. The connection between you and and Yanwu has been ripped apart. But somehow, you both live. Your and Yanwu is out there. I just don't know where she is. Sunny felt ill. Will she come back to me? Sunny asked. Then she asked the question that had been nagging her since she realized An Yanwu was gone. Even if the bond is broken, why would she leave me? Tears welled up in her eyes again, and Oru took her hand. She's gone. I don't even feel her near. If this could kill me, why would she leave? Why? And Yanwu is old, Bola said. I know of her. All the elders, priestess, priests, know her, Sunny. The ancient will travel. It is not for us to question. Especially with Ekwensu, now probably able to occupy the mundane world and the wilderness too. But usually... I require payment for my services, she said. My payment today is that you've shown me something I have never seen before. A living leopard person with no spirit face. I'd have said this was an abomination an hour ago, but you have taught me otherwise. Debt paid. Plus, I want to see what the cowries tell me about you. She stood up and stretched her back. Then she brought out some cowries from her skirt pocket and moved to an open space in the room. So, what is it that you especially want to know, Sunny, aside from how to find your spirit face? Sunny paused for a moment, thinking. Since Enyanwu had disappeared, she hadn't thought about much else. What did anything else really matter? Then she remembered. I've I've been having dreams of, of the end, she said. Before I discovered I was a free agent, 
I was shown the world's end in the flame of a candle. Sugar Cream says that some of my spirit friends or enemies from the wilderness showed all of that to me. I don't know why. But in a lot of ways, it led me to Leopard Society. But these new dreams, they're, they're different. They leave me asking myself who I am, she wanted to say. But she'd never admit something so pathetic in front of Orlu. I just want to know what the dreams mean. Do they mean that soon? Yes, 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 Bola said, dismissively waving her hand at Sunny. Shut up now. I've got it. Sunny was glad to shut up. Once she started talking, it was as if she had diarrhea of the mouth. Words gushing forth like water, she thought, getting up. Orlu was already standing to Bola's left, his hands deep in his pockets, something he only did when he felt perfectly safe, which wasn't often at all. Bola's home must have really been protected. This can't be anything but interesting, Bola said as she knelt on the floor. Let's see what the cowrie catcher will show us today. Mouth open or mouth closed, only the cowrie catcher knows. She blew on her handful of cowries. I know some, but soon I'll know more. I hope it's good news, Olu muttered. Whatever it is, at least I'll know what's going on, Sunny replied. Bolo brought the handful of shells to her lips and whispered something. Then she pointed and looked upward and said, Inshallah, Chukwu is not concerned and only Allah can make it so. Then she threw the cowries. As they fell and tumbled to the hard wood floor, Sunny's right ear began to ring. She pressed her hand to it and Bolo looked at her and nodded. That's the sound you hear when someone is talking about you. They are discussing your past, present, or future. I would tell you to whisper into your fist and say, let it be good. But you cannot control those who inhabit the wilderness. Not when you are more than halfway there yourself. Sunny pressed her ear harder as she watched the cowries settle. They took longer than was normal. Some of them tumbled and they circled over and over. Others hopped and bounced like popcorn kernels on a skillet. Some came to a rest and then flipped back over. And several of them clicked together three times before going into a feverish dance on their sides. But finally, after nearly a minute, they all came to rest. The room was silent as the three of them looked hard at the shells. Bola with the gaze of an excited, intrigued expert and Sunny and Orlu with confusion. 10 minutes passed and Bola still hadn't moved. It almost looked as if she, she were in suspended animation. 
Is she breathing? Sonny whispered. But Ordo was looking around, his hands out of his pockets. Did you hear something? Sonny frowned and suddenly on edge. No. Shh, Ordo said. Someone's here. Sonny scanned the entire room. No one. The sun shone through the large wall of windows and the room was pleasantly warm. But she smelled something. She flared her nostrils. What is that? She whispered. It wasn't sour, pungent, sweet, oily, or foul. It wasn't stinky, delicious, stinging, perfumey, or dirty. She just couldn't describe it. But it was strong, and it was permeating the room. She and Orlu moved closer to one another. Suddenly, Bola turned to Sunny. Her eyes were twitchy, her face blank of emotion. She stiffly stood up and came closer. Sunny grabbed Orlu's arm, but she stood her ground, facing Bola, or whoever it was possessing Bola's body. Sunny Noazu, who are you? She sang. She chuckled dryly. Sunny shuddered, pressing closer to Orlu. I see you. Bola stopped, squinting her eyes at Sunny. Yes, the free agent, lucky enough to twin with Enyanwu, and unlucky enough to be untwinned from her twin. She looked at Sunny up and down. So young, and you've lost one so old. She stepped closer. But you still live. I can speak to you. It is you who is having the dreams and ask what they are about. Yes, Sunny squeaked. I want to know if the end of the world will come tomorrow. You wake up quietly, afraid every morning that the sun will rise only to burn everything to ash. And you'll have nowhere to hide but back on the other side where you were such a powerful guide. Warrior. Sunny Noazu of Nim, by way of Ozimana of Nim. But who are you really anymore? Sunny felt her face growing hot, tears behind her eyes. The words of the one possessing Bola were like the slash of knives. Yes, words can cut deep, the one who was not Bola said. They are clearer than images, more exact, especially the magical kind, like the speedy. Keep learning, Sabidi. You will need it. The answers are within it and so much more. Your dreams, you have misinterpreted. Think, think hard. What you saw, it was not like what the wilderling forced upon you. This was something else.
and you know it. This was you using what you have. Shapeshifter, who can step into our wilderness when she learns that she can. Time folder, who can stop it when she hates someone enough. She kept crept closer to Sunny and cocked her head. Smoking city or city of smoke? Orlu gasped. Oh my God. What? Sunny asked. Ah, finally it dawns on you. See what happens when you only assume the negative? Bola said, focusing for the first time on Orlu. It's not always the worst. What? What? Sunny asked him. Your man understands that's what, she said. The vision was just nudging toward where you must go to do what the world needs. But Osisi isn't. We can't get there, Oru said. Yes, you can, Bola said. Find your diet beneath the city of Lagos and have her weave you a flying grass cutter. Those can fly to Osisi easy. It will take you if you can convince it. Lagos, Sunny said. How are we supposed to get to Lagos? That's hours away. And what's Osisi? You died. She will be there? In Lagos? Orlu asked. Yes. Through the market, as it says in the beast books? He asked. Yes, for now. Flying grasshoppers are obnoxious, he said, pinching his chin as he thought. It'll get us all canned, or worse. Akwensu has made it here. Time has run out, and now it'll be more difficult. A flying grass cutter is the fastest way to get to Osisi, Bola stressed. If Ekwensu comes, a caning is the least of your worries. Bola's face squeezed with pain and she stumbled back. She rubbed her eyes and opened her mouth and hacked loudly. Sunny, she gasped. Both leopards and lambs in this world have jobs to do. It is not just you, but you have a job. You four, really. Ekwinsu is getting her rest. She will strike soon. Gather yourselves. Sunny, you need Enyanwu. That old one is like an Obanji. Tempt her back to you with love. She hacked again and sat down hard. Sunny then saw it. A periwinkle haze rising delicately from Bola's mouth and then dissipating into the air. Slowly, Bola stood up, straightening her skirt. She cleared her throat. Timitope! She gasped. She coughed and this time shouted, Timitope! The little girl came walking in with her professional walk. Yes, ma, she said in her tiny voice. We're done here, Bola said. Send in the next client.
Once Sunny and Orlu were outside the gate, it was like stepping into another world, one that was not so full of water. They walked in silence for several minutes. Then Orlu finally asked, She's just gone? Sunny nodded. Silence for several more minutes. I'm sorry, Orlu finally said. I can't even. I'll get her back, Sunny said, though she had no idea how. As she walked, she clenched and unclenched her fists. Doing so made her feel a little stronger. She kicked a large stone down the dirt road with her sandal and watched it sail far ahead. I know her best. Yeah, Orlu said, but he sounded doubtful and disturbed, as if Sunny had an unsightly gash in her cheek. What's Osisi? Sunny immediately asked. You know how the living world and the wilderness are two places, but yet they coexist? Sunny nodded. Wait, she said, remembering. I've read about four places in Sugar Cream's Sabidi book. She talks about how she and the baboons who raised her lived in a patch of forest that was full. Lambs were terrified of it because they saw it as a bit of forest they just never come out of. Orlu nodded. That can happen, yes. Osisi is just, isn't just a patch of land, though. It's big. It's a town that is miles wide and long. It's somewhere between Igboland and Yoruba land and Hausa land. No one really knows exactly where, but wherever it is, you need to go there. Why? Your dreams, apparently, are telling you to. Probably yourself, somehow, Sunny. Osisi looks like a city made of smoke. He shook his head. I don't know how Sasha, Chichi, and I didn't put two and two together. I guess we all just assumed. The worst, Sunny said. So she wasn't dreaming of the world's end this time. She was seeing a world that was full. Yeah, Orlu said. The only way to get there, for us to get there, you're not going alone is by having a beast called a flying grass cutter take us. I've studied these before because they're fascinating. There was one living in Nightrunner Forest some decades ago, and there's some information about it in the book I have. He shook his head. You'll have to just see to understand it. Fact is, we have to get to Lagos somehow. Sunny just held up a hand. Enough, enough, enough. I'm going to Sugar Creams. I'll see you later. In Chapter 17. Chapter 18. Cloudy Skies. 
The next morning was a Sunday, and Sunny was glad. She hadn't slept at all. Every time she started to drift off, she remembered that her spirit face was missing, and she'd wake up. Sleep is the cousin of death, she'd once heard, and the saying came back to her now. She didn't want to meet death without Enyanwu. So all night, she stared at her ceiling, thinking and thinking. Where could Enyanwu be? What if she met Ekwensu? Where did one's spirit face go? Did it actually quote-unquote go places like a thing with a physical body? Did it return to the wilderness where it could lose itself in the ebb and flow of spirit? Or did it just wink out of existence like a puff of smoke? All of these possibilities made her feel ill without, with worry and self-pity. She'd only been a leopard person for a little less than two years. Prior to that, she'd had no such relationship with the spiritual existence. That was her spirit face. It shouldn't have been so devastating to return to the oneness of Lambdom. Nevertheless, if there was any evidence that she'd become a full-fledged leopard girl, it was the fact that this was not the case. She felt the absence of Enyanwu so profoundly that she experienced moments of complete and total despair. She lay in bed staring at the window, watching the sun come up. She saw her wasp artist zooming out of its nest and out through the part of the screen she'd left open. She heard the morning activity of nearby neighbors, and she heard all this alone as less than herself. While staring out of the window, she had an idea. It made complete sense. She rolled out of bed, glancing at the leopard Knox daily newspaper on it. She considered reading through it for any possible news about Equin Sioux or even more oil spills in the Niger Delta. Instead, she let it fall to the floor and went to her desktop computer. She put on her headphones and clicked on one of her favorite links, titled Six Hours of Mozart, and turned up the volume. The music washed over her, and she closed her eyes, conjuring up an image in her mind of a ballerina she especially liked named Michaela de Prince. She imagined her in a grassy field wearing jeans, a white t-shirt, and black pointy jeans, shoes. As the music danced, so did Michaela, leaping, stretching, and swaying. Sunny smiled as she sat back in her chair, feeling more relaxed than she'd felt since before the Lake Beast incident. She called Enyanwu to come and enjoy. She called and called. And then she opened her eyes, her joy gone. She slumped in her chair. She pulled off her headphones. 
She crawled back into her bed and got under the sheets. And she didn't sleep. She spent the day hanging around her mother, who was cooking her favorite red stew. She she helped slice onions, ginger, and garlic, and blended tomatoes and bell peppers while her mother chopped and baked chicken and smoked turkey. As the stew boiled, she sat at the table and stared into space while her mother watched a Nollywood movie. Sunny was glad her mother didn't ask why she wasn't out with Chi-Chi, Ordu, and Sasha. She was glad her mother didn't ask her much of anything. It was nice. Just being around her, working with their hands, cooking. Then, later on, it was nice just sitting at the dinner table with her father, eating rice and stew. He read the newspaper, and she read her current book a graphic novel called Aya, Love and Yacht City. All this soothed her, but by the time night came, it all sat right back on her shoulders, weighing as bags of sand. It was an overcast night and thunder rumbled in the clouds above. She'd slept poorly as she had for the last two nights. She hadn't spoken to Chichi, Orlu, or Sasha. She hadn't worked one small juju. No leopard knocks, which meant no sugar cream. She'd had said that, said that this was her life before realizing her leopardum, but it wasn't. Before, she'd had a group of other friends, and she'd never known of that other side of her that was now gone. And Sunny knew she could never, ever go back. It was like being left on an island. Her Saturday meetings with Sugar Cream and Wednesdays with Anatol and the others. Even lamb school would be a problem. How would she face Orlu? No going forward. No going backward. It's like being dead, she whispered. The thunder rumbled some more and she suddenly jumped up and strode to her closet. She threw on some shorts and a t-shirt, sandals, grabbed her soccer ball, and was out the back door. Her parents might wonder where she'd gone. You gonna to let them, she said, tears streaming down her face. The field where they played soccer wasn't far, especially when she walked with purpose. Her long, strong legs got her there in no time. And when she stepped onto the empty, slightly overgrown fields, she dropped the ball and kicked it hard. She jogged after the ball into the center of the field and stopped it with her foot. She looked up into the churning gray sky There was a flash of lightning, and then several seconds later, the rumble of thunder. She knew the juju to prevent being struck by lightning, a variation of the rain-deflecting juju once used when caught in a downpour. Sunny chuckled bitterly to herself and kicked the soccer ball. 
Let it strike, she muttered as she worked the ball with her fast feet. Back to the side, tapping it in the air and catching it with the bottom of her foot behind her back. Kick it lightly forward, behind, around. She smiled as she moved and dribbled the ball. She did a turn and kicked it back toward the other goal. She ran across the field and shot it into the goal, the soft whisper of net against ball making her heart leap with a familiar joy. She grabbed the ball with her feet and worked it across the field to the other side and did it again. And then she did it again. All alone, under the churning sunless sky, she enjoyed her own footwork. Imagining that she was playing a one-on-one -on -one against herself. The air rushed in and out of her lungs. She threw off her sandals so she could feel the hard, uneven ground with her tough feet. She imagined she was trying to move the ball around herself and this made her feet move faster. She did a bump and run, shoving herself out of the way and then taking off with the ball across the field. She laughed because it had almost felt like she'd shoved someone. She'd shot the ball directly at the goal when she realized it. And her realization was immediately verified when the ball didn't go in. Instead, it was deflected by a seemingly invisible force. Then the force became visible and Sunny thought for a moment lightning had struck the field. She stood before the goal as the bowl rolled to her feet. She rested a bare foot on it and wiped sweat from her brow. All the movement had cleared her mind, eased her muscles, and filled her with joy. Nevertheless, it was as almost as if the clarity made it so that the anger could flow through her body or blood more easily. It flooded her system so hot and full that the world around her seemed to swell. Why'd you leave? She shouted. Then she blasted the soccer ball right toward the blurred but bright yellow figure standing in the goal. The ball sailed through it and then the blur dissolved to nothing. Sunny stood there, staring with wide eyes. Raindrops began to fall. I had to attend a meeting. Sunny felt fury and surprise flipped her belly as the rain came down harder. A meeting, she shouted. You, you left me to go to a meeting. Hot tears squeezed from her eyes and mixed with cool rain. Rain shelf yourself, and Yanwu said. I can't, Sunny snapped. But maybe she could, now that Yanwu was near. She decided to try, bringing out her juju knife. She blinked away tears as she worked the simple rain shelf juju. And immediately, the rain stopped falling on her as if she held an umbrella. You are foolish, 
Enyan Wu said. And needy. And insecure. Now the tears came harder for Sunny, and she plopped down on the grass. The squelchy wetness of the grass felt as awful as she felt. When she looked up, she found herself facing a figure of soft, glowing yellow light. They stared at each other for what felt like minutes. Around them, heavy rain splashed down, lightning flashed, and thunder responded. They sat in the middle of the soccer field, and for the moment, to Sunny, there was no one else in the world. Shut up, Sunny muttered. A flash of lightning nearby made her jump. She looked at Enyan Wu. You did that. I didn't do anything, Enyan Wu said. Sunny didn't believe her. You, you have always known who you are. You're old. You know everything. She had to stop to catch her breath, tears in her eyes again. How am I supposed to believe in what I am when no one even knew this could ever happen? Even Ulu looked at me like I was an alien. Yes, you are insecure. Sunny grabbed a handful of wet grass and threw it at Enyan Wu. She blinked when the clump hit the soft glow and fell to the ground. She threw more. Then Enyan Wu grabbed an even bigger clump and flung it at Sunny, hitting her right in the face. Some of it got in her mouth and she spit it out. Do you think I made you or make you a leopard person? Enyan Wu asked. Yes! Enyan Wu laughed. <laughs> I'm your spirit memory. I'm you outside of time. I'm your spirit face. I am you. You are me. Our lepardum is within all that makes us. Then why couldn't I go to Leopard Knox that day? Because, as I said, you're insecure. Sunny pressed her lips together and frowned. Our bond's been broken. And Yan Wu continued. That trauma? Few will ever know it. We've gone through it twice. It took two traumas to tear it completely. When that jinn pulled us in, and when Ekwinsu took advantage and finished the job. Sunny nodded as they both felt a ghost of the sharp pains they had reverberated through their entire being, twice. Reverberated, sorry, through their entire being, twice. The second time, did you feel when we drifted? And Yan Wu asked, yes. That was when we should have died. We'd have lost this connected duality and returned to the wilderness as one again. But we lived because we are Sunny and Enyan Wu. Sunny felt Enyan Wu's confident pleasure at this fact. Sunny, you can work with whatever juju you please, whether I am there or not. 
That's why I say you're insecure. You couldn't get into Leopard Knox because you didn't believe you were a leopard person without me. But work a little harder and be more confident. Our bond is broken. Some compensation is required. It's like loving and cherishing someone without needing the bonds of marriage to enforce it. And Yanwu said, By sinister means, you and I are free. Sunny sat with Enyanwu's words, staring into the pouring rain. The lightning and thunder were fading. But even if they didn't, she wasn't afraid of being struck anymore. Sunny took a deep breath and then asked, What was the meeting? She could feel Enyanwu smile. None of your business. Sunny stared at Enyanwu for a moment and then burst out laughing. She got up and grabbed her soccer ball. It flew out of her hands as Enyamu took off with it across the field. Sunny had to run fast to catch up with her. And the two played like that until the rain stopped. On the road back, she came upon Sasha walking up the road, his hands shoved in the pockets of his jeans. By this time, The air had taken on so much humidity that breathing it was almost like drinking water. What are you doing in the rain? Sunny asked, slapping and grasping hands with him. Looking for you. I was playing soccer, she said, tossing her wet ball up and catching it. With the lightning and thunder? You could say that. You've been avoiding us all weekend, Sunny shrugged. They began to walk. How come Orlu didn't come? Sasha shrugged again. Said you probably needed some time to yourself. Me? I don't mess around. I came to see what's up. So, you good? Yeah, I'm fine, she said. Even after? After what happened with? Yeah, we can go to Leopard Knox today if you all want. She hesitated and then said, The river beast won't stop me. She could feel Enyanwu within her as she said it. And she could feel that her presence was different. Not so locked. And this was verified when she realized she suddenly didn't feel Enyanwu within her. Enyanwu had gone off again to wherever she went off to. Sasha looked at her, narrowing his eyes. You are different somehow. Yeah, she said. Then she laughed, tossing her soccer ball in the air and catching it with her feet. She passed it to Sasha, who caught it, and then tapped it back to Sunny. She caught it, brought out her juju knife, and worked a quick juju that rubbed off the mud. It hadn't been difficult, but she noticed that she did have to concentrate a little harder on mentally aligning her words with her juju knife flourish. Jollof rice and goat meat at Mama Put's pudding place? Sasha asked. Sunny smiled. Definitely my treat in chapter 18.
Yay! So and Yanwu came back, y'all. Sorry, that's the end of chapter seventeen and eighteen. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. But yes, I'm happy and Yanwu is back. I ain't gonna lie, I got a little scared because I don't know. It's just it's just scary, but it just goes to show that it really goes back to us just believing in ourselves. At the end of the day, the gifts of God are within us, and it's up to us to activate them and put them to use. And as long as we want to live lamb lives or leopard, uh, yeah, lamb lives, just trying to live to pay bills and then die, we're, we're never going to utilize our gifts. We're never going to make that difference that we really want to do. So I don't know. I always feel this way after reading because it relates with me personally. But definitely, I mean, where are some areas of this book or series that you guys can relate to where you can be like, you know, that actually makes sense on like a personal level or this applies personally to me and my circumstances right now. Um, What do you guys what are some things that you guys expect for the next few chapters? Because now they're going to Lagos and stuff like that. There's going to be a grass cutter that's going to be involved. The spider is coming back up. So I don't know. I think it's about to go down, y'all. And then after this, we got a kind of woman. So God only knows what's about to come up. I think it's an, it's time for another initiation. What y'all think? I don't know. But until next time, make this an opportunity to wind it down, my love. And slow it down, my love. Don't overwhelm yourself. It's gonna get done. So just wind it down, my love. And slow it down, my love. Don't overwhelm yourself. It's gonna get done. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Instagram at elevated underscore FHZ for frequencies. Um, And yo, stay true, stay you. And I'll see you guys next time.